Hi there and welcome to episode 41 of the Writing Guy podcast. Uh, I'm Scott Keyes of the Writing Guy, helping professionals write human and change the world with their words. So I'll be honest with you, I'm <laughs> I'm at a little bit of a loss as to what to talk about today. I've got a few sort of ideas running around in my head, but I'm still... I was going to go back to Cocky, if you remember Troll Number 2, um, who basically dives straight into drafting without planning. But, I mean, Cocky can always wait. Uh, he's a, he may be cocky, but he's also he's a patient lad as well. Um, but I'm, I'm afraid I am still being exercised by this idea of rhythm. Uh, so if you don't mind, I want to pursue that a bit. Um, I, was, I was reminded this morning that a couple of years ago now, I, I wrote a blog or a series of blogs on my website about rhythm and I developed an idea of something called word wave, which is a way of, of representing graphically the rhythm of a piece of writing. And um, I'll, ta- I'll talk more about that uh, in later episodes, I think, when the idea is is a little bit more developed. But I just want to pursue this idea of rhythm a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, so rhythm. You know, I said that the difference between poetry and prose, it, because, because prose, written prose, can have rhythm, it can be rhythmic, but the, the, the main difference, as I see it, is that the rhythm, poetic rhythm or meter, is, is organised and ordered and, and, and more tightly arranged. And if you remember yesterday, I was saying that that combines to, to imp- sort of enhancing and increasing the impact and the vigour and the spirit and the energy of our writing. So I'm a great believer in the fact that, that language has energy. That words have different levels of energy. And by constricting, by putting a metrical constraint on, our, on the language through poetry... Uh, through metered poetry, then actually we, we we ironically and paradoxically increase the impact and the energy. And I, I likened it to narrowing the course of a river. It flows faster and with, with greater force. Um, and in, in the article that I just was talking about, which is about word wave, um, I go back to speech. I mean, this all comes back to speech. Obviously, speech preceded writing. We spoke before we wrote. Um, And one of the things that I think we're blessed with in the English language is the natural rise and fall of the rhythm of the language because, um, you know, whereas in a language like French, which I know quite well, French is a fairly monotonous language. They don't stress the syllables. It's more to do with the length of the vowels. Whereas in English, says he, stressing the syllables, it's what's known as a stress-timed language. And that is that we, we give different, a different push, emphasis, accent or weight to different syllables, depending on what we want to emphasise. But generally, as I said a couple of episodes ago, we stress the syllables that carry the most meaning, which makes absolute sense, doesn't it? So, you know, here's in the blog, I, I actually show this by capitalizing 
the syllables that are stressed in the following sentence. And obviously you can't see it, but I'll stress it orally. Every time we talk, we string together a series of stressed and unstressed syllables without even thinking about it. This gives our language its rhythm. So maybe I should have said that normally uh, initially. Every time we talk, we string together a series of stressed and unstressed syllables without even thinking about it. This gives our language its rhythm. So I don't know whether you can hear that, but whether you can detect the rise and fall given by the alternate by the alternating stress and unstress of the syllables, by the alternating stress and unstress syllables. And that, I think that you know, that's one of the things that gives this language of ours its uh, its particular richness. Um, is the fact that we're accentuating different parts of the of the sentence, um, and it makes total sense then that the what grammarians refer to as the particles, interesting choice of language, the particles, the smaller words like we, a, of, and even our, its, are typically unstressed. The stress falls on the words and the parts of the words that carry the most meaning. Um, and if you remember, I quoted the great Alexander Pope, uh, who said, "So sound and sense, so th- sound must seem an echo to the sense. So sound and meaning work together. Uh, in in particularly in poetry. So, um, where are we with that? Then we're up to six minutes, and I'm sort of." You know, what, what, what point am I trying to make? I suppose what I'm leading up to, what I'm leading up to with this, and that's what the, this blog was about. Um, I'm just trying to find the date of it, actually. Um, this was a blog that I wrote, okay, it's 2019, so a couple of years ago now. Uh, but I will be talking more about this. But basically, I I use the blog to to nail my IP, my intellectual property, to this idea of um, something I've called word wave, which is the ability to show graphically the rhythm of a piece of writing. And um, I will be developing that that idea, um, you know, in later episodes. But so what's the bottom line from this? The bottom line from this is that uh, whether we whether we know it or not, when we speak English, we naturally alternate between stressed and unstressed syllables. And that's what gives our speech and ultimately our written language as well the recognisable and very powerful rise and fall, the rhythmic rise and fall of the language. So I'll leave it there for now. I hope that's been of use and some value and some interest. And I'll see you tomorrow for episode 42. Thanks for listening. Bye now.